okay? And we take time uh, during the Advent season to slow down and reflect on the wonder of God taking on human form, becoming a man, fully human. Uh, that alone is miraculous and worthy of much uh, thought and worship. And certainly we understand that with his incarnation comes all the rest of the revelation of Christ and who he is and through him knowing what God is like. And so it's important for us to slow down, I think, and, and worship in this way during the Advent season. And with this year, we're going to follow the traditional Advent themes of hope and joy and love and peace. Um, the church for centuries has used these themes to prepare ourselves for Advent. So today I'm going to talk about hope. We're going to be looking in Luke chapter 2. Um, it's fitting, I think, for us to, to slow down and to think about uh, Christ's incarnation. We use the word Advent. Advent uh, is just a word based on the Latin word for arrival. Um, and so it's the season of arrival. And there are two important arrivals of Jesus. The first one, as he was born um, in Bethlehem and lived out his life, his righteous life, and completed, fulfilled our righteousness in his life, his death, and his resurrection. And then there's the second arrival of Christ, uh, which is his final return and finishing all that he started. And so uh, we may not live, we, we don't live in the days when they were waiting for his first arrival, but we wait in the days where we're waiting for his second arrival. So Advent is fitting for that reason as well, because we are people of the Advent. We are people who live waiting. And these truths that we slow down and think about are very applicable to us. We need the truth of hope, and that's what we're going to focus on today. Hope is so important, and I think it's probably an underserved uh, theme of the Christian life. We talk about other aspects of the Christian life, fittingly so, things like love and peace, and all these different things, joy, um, but hope is, is one of the core three virtues, faith, hope, and love, um, of the Christian life. And I think that Focusing on hope helps us. We need hope. We need to learn how to live by hope because we are people who live in Advent. We live waiting for something that isn't yet. We are waiting for His final arrival. We're waiting for Him to accomplish all that He's promised. We're waiting in a world that is so needy of His first and second arrival. We live in a world that's broken. It's mixed up. We watch wars, we watch devastations, catastrophes, genocide, political division, and pandemics. It's part of this life. There's a brokenness. We live in a world, and we suffer harm, and we face grave failure at times. We see sin all around us and temptations to do the wrong thing, to not love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to not love others. We are needy of Christ and Him coming to fully redeem us. We watch people get sick and suffer. We see friends and loved ones die. We watch dreams maybe fulfilled, but also dreams dashed. That's what it's like to live in this world and to live in this life. And no matter how optimistic you might like to be, there are many 
uh, challenging things, many hardships, many negative things in this life. I think about what I was like in 1982 when I graduated high school. I remember I've looked at my yearbook at times over the years, and, and we were full of such self-confidence. We were going to take the world by storm, do great things, and have a great time doing it. That was our, our attitude. That was kind of our anthem at that time. Full of self-confidence and very naive, and now 40 years later almost, things are very different. I can track my friends from high school, and I know what they've seen. Some of them have died. Many have gone through tragedies. There have been broken marriages, failed careers, death of loved ones. We've been forced through the grind of this world and made to face the difficulties of life. And life is hard. And life is full of pain. These are the sobering realities of life. Now, there is great news in Christ because He has come and He will be coming. And the kingdom has come, and it is here, and yet it is not yet in its fullness. And so, yes, there is good news, but there is the reality of the hardship and the difficulty of life all around us. And mere optimism and positive thinking will do nothing to address those issues. That's where hope comes in. Hope is such an important thing for the Christian life, and you can't do life. And you can't make it 40 years beyond high school and further without hope. You can't make it, you can't thrive without hope. We need hope. Hope is so important. So it's good for us to slow down during Advent and think about the truth of hope. To think about the reality of Christ's first arrival and second arrival and how we live in this time where it's already but not yet. Where there's wonderful things going on. Salvation and redemption is happening. Yet, people get sick. They suffer. Bad things happen. Our dreams don't get fulfilled. Hope helps us live in these things. And so we're going to take time this morning just to learn about hope. We're going to look uh, at two very wise people who are in the really best position to teach us on hope because they have lived a long time and yet have continued to thrive. This morning we're going to look at Simeon and Anna in Luke chapter 2 and learn about hope through their lives. So let's pray and then we'll look at God's word. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the truth of hope and the power of hope. And I pray, Lord God, you'd speak to us about hope this morning. I pray we would learn from you about hope. And as a result, Lord God, uh, be strengthened. We would learn more about you. And we would look more like you, Jesus, as a result. So help me, Lord, as I teach your word and proclaim these truths. And be glorified in it, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 and following. This is Jesus. He's a baby being brought to the temple. And it says, When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your, your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce to your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God, to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. I want to take time to go through this story, and I want to learn about hope from Simeon and Anna. Now, just so you, you know, the, the central idea here in the, this section of Scripture is not hope. Hope is really a secondary thing that we learn from here. The central idea in, in this part of Scripture is Jesus, and how Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promises. And that we're to put our faith in Jesus. That's the, the central point here. So Simeon and Anna are coming alongside the, in the storyline to point to Jesus. To say, look to Jesus. And certainly that is the most important thing I could tell you and say to you this morning. Look to Jesus. Who is the, the source and the focal point of our hope. But I want to take time to look at Simeon and Anna and learn about hope. And apply some lessons from their lives to ourselves. That we might too learn to live like they lived. We're going to take time just, just to go over the story. And, and look at different elements. And, and through this all just to realize that hope is essential for the Christian life. And the challenge I want to, I want to give you in this is, is how do you value hope in your life? Is it a secondary minor aspect? Or is it a central aspect of your life in Christ? And what I would want to submit to you from this passage and from Scripture, is that hope has to play an important role for you and for each of us in our lives. I think we've seen that this, this year as we have had difficulties, as we've seen dreams and plans dashed. And I can't promise you that the coming years will not have further reasons to illustrate our need for hope. So we need hope. We need to live by hope. And there's great lessons here for us. So just a quick run through on the story, just to highlight some parts. Jesus is coming to the temple for his dedication. After he was born, the law prescribed what to do. And so they, uh, Joseph and Mary, as faithful Jews, are going to the temple uh, to, to go through and do the things that they were called to do in their offering. And in the temple, uh, we meet two people. We meet Simeon. Simeon is, is in the temple. Simeon is an older man. Um, we don't know his, his exact age, but he's an older man. Um, and he is a man who, who is uh, ready. He's a prophet of sorts. He's a prophet who knows the promises of God. And the Holy Spirit has spoken to him. 
and made this wonderful promise to him that he would not die till he got to see the Lord's Christ. An amazing, uh, extraordinary revelation for him. And, and so I think we can put him in the camp as an Old Testament prophet. And the Spirit of God moves on him at this, to, to tell him to go into the temple at the very time that Jesus is being brought in. And so there's this encounter that they have with Simeon. And he prophesies over Jesus. And he speaks to the parents and, and gives them um, guidance. And then we meet Anna as well, another elderly prophetess. And she's lived a life as well, hoping and waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled. And so these two are alike in many ways. A man and a woman, really uh, a prophet and prophetess of the Old Testament who have been waiting for this moment actually for a long, long time. And so I want to take a look at their lives, what was going on, what we can learn from them. And the first thing I want to talk about is that hope thrives on the promises of God. Hope thrives on the promises of God. Simeon, it says, was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel. He was waiting for Israel to be consoled, Israel to be comforted, Israel to be redeemed. And Anna is, uh, speaks to people around her about the redemption of Jerusalem. So both of them are waiting for this consolation, this redemption. And these words are actually taken from the Old Testament, especially the book of Isaiah. Same word, actually, uh, that's here is in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. This is Isaiah, hundreds and hundreds of years before Simeon and Anna. God speaks to him, saying, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Isaiah lived in a time when the nation had strayed far from God. These are the covenant people of God, rescued from Egypt, rescued to be His special people, to live in faith and obedience, to live trusting Him for forgiveness and life. And, and yet they've strayed away. And so Isaiah speaks to the people. They're, they're facing exile. They're facing punishment for their sins. And yet God is so kind and tender to them. And so in Isaiah 40, He speaks that there will be comfort for them. If you read through the context in Isaiah, you'll see that this is not merely speaking of the return from exile, but a promise of full comfort under God's chosen King, the ultimate Messiah who would come. And so I would imagine for Simeon, this particular verse was something he would have memorized and prayed through and asked God, please God, when are you going to fulfill this? When are you going to bring your comfort to your people? Elsewhere in Isaiah, there are other verses that they would have known. Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Simeon and Anna would have known these promises. They would have prayed these promises. They would have anticipated these promises. They would have saturated their minds with these promises. They would have spoken to their own souls in times of trial, in times of doubt, these promises. They wouldn't have let the, the world and their flesh 
speak to them primarily. They would have, as they saturated in these promises, let the promises speak louder than their doubts and their circumstances. This is how the Word of God is supposed to work, how the Word of God does work in His people's lives. It's living and active, and it speaks to our hearts when we need hope. And so Simeon and Anna would have lived off of these promises. They didn't just arrive there on that day when Jesus came out of nowhere. There had been a lifetime of waiting and looking and saturating in these promises because they were looking for the consolation and redemption of God's people. By the way, guys, we all live this way. We all live off of promises. We all live expecting something to happen, putting our faith in some sort of promise, whatever it is. We live each day and each, every week this way. A lot of people just did some extraordinary things um, on Thursday night into Friday morning because of promises. Though it isn't like the days before the, the internet, um, if you wanted a, a PlayStation 5 uh, on Black Friday, you had to wait and there were uh, I think at, at GameStop there were only two in each one. And there were people who waited all night to get one of those PlayStations. They were living off the promises of GameStop or Best Buy. And they were willing to, to do extraordinary things to get what they expected. They lived off of promises. Uh, I don't know, maybe they meditated on how wonderful it would be when they had that you know, PlayStation 5. Probably some of them were thinking how much money I can make reselling it on Amazon once I get one. And, and, and they, they filled their minds with that and it motivated them to wait all night. Well, similarly, with the promises of God, this is how it works. And, and I would just submit that, that we are all motivated by the things we are anticipating, we're expecting. We get out of bed in the morning because of promises. And your life will be shaped by what sort of promises you fill your mind with. And so we can learn from Simeon and Anna and their lives, they were fueled, they were thriving on the promises of God. Boy, there's so many promises we can do that, uh, memorize and, and uh, seek to have saturate our lives as well. There's so many promises because we have the Old Testament promises and we know even better than they do. And we have the New Testament full of these promises that we have in Christ. Wonderful promises. God, the promise of God working all things for our good. Romans 8.28. Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? That's a promise meant for every believer. Matthew 16.18. Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's a promise from Jesus. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul speaks of the secret he's learned. How to be content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in poverty and want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. These are promises. And they're meant to feed us and fill our minds and shape how we think about life and how we deal with things. At the core of hope is are the promises of God. And at the core of the promises, of course, are the promise fulfilled of Christ coming to die on the cross for our sins, to pay for our sins, so that we would have in Him, through simple faith, full forgiveness. 
and the sure hope of eternal life that begins the day that we turn from our sins and put our faith in Him. This is a promise realized for us. It's both present and future. And this promise, most of all, should fuel our lives, fill our minds, fill us with hope. Because He who began a good work will finish that work in us. Promises thrive, I mean, hope thrives on the promises of God. Hope is fueled by the Holy Spirit. So as we look at Simeon and Anna, we see them. Uh, they are unusual in their giftedness. They are, uh, he's a prophet and a prophetess. Uh, they are uh, extraordinary there, being Old Testament prophets. Um, but it's all by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so we see that in this passage. Simeon is told by the Spirit of God and then motivated by the Spirit of God to go to the temple. Anna is hearing from God as well and what she shares. We don't know the details there. The Holy Spirit is at work. The Holy Spirit is the active agent in their lives. And though we may not be called to that level of gift that they had, and certainly not that level of authority of an Old Testament prophet, New Testament prophecy being different, we have the same Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, is in our lives. And we have even a fuller experience since Pentecost, the promise of the Spirit in our lives. And the Spirit of God is active in us. He works in us to take those promises and breathe on them and give us life. And so there's a reality of this relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, that fuels hope, that takes the promises and brings them alive and, and fills out our hope. Whatever level of gift you might experience, this is part of being a believer, that you would know hope that is supernatural from the Spirit of God. Romans 15, 13, we use this as a benediction. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in what? Hope. Part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to work in your heart and to fill you with hope. Isn't that interesting to think about that and, and, and see the, how starkly that's presented? Because we might think, fill us with love, right? Certainly, Holy Spirit, fill me with love. Help me to love like you love Jesus. That's a, a wonderful way to pray, a wonderful way to ask the Spirit of God to work. But here we have the Spirit wanting to work hope in our lives. That we would live looking forward to the fulfillment of the promises. We would live bearing up under trials. Facing honestly our weaknesses and yet hoping in full redemption. The Spirit of God wants to work hope in your lives. So ask for that. Maybe one application from this message today is just say, Spirit of God, come fill me with fresh hope in you. Fresh hope in your promises. Fresh hope for what you're, what you're going to do at the end. Fresh hope with what you're going to do through my life. Even in, through the ups and downs. You're at work. Christ has already come. The kingdom has come. And you're going to be at work. Fill me with hope for these things. Hope is fueled by the Holy Spirit. Next lesson. Hope gives strength for life. It's extraordinary to look at Simeon and Anna. And how old they are. We don't know how old Simeon is. Anna, Anna is 84, it looks like, from what we can tell. She's either 84 or she's been a widow 84 years. That would put her at like 100-something. She's pretty old. Simeon's pretty old because Simeon says, 
Lord, now you can dismiss me. I got to see the promise here in my hands. You can dismiss me. He's at the end of his life. They're old. And, and those are the sort of people you want to get around. People that are 80-something years old and yet full of hope. There's still a youthfulness there. Hope fuels us. It gives us strength for life. It's what allows us to, to be still youthful in our old age because there's a tendency. I don't know if you've noticed it if you're a little older. There's a tendency just to get cranky as you get older. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But I noticed that. When you're 18, it's, it's easy to be full of hope because you're naive and you've got tons of energy. But when you're a bit older, it's easy to slide into bitterness Cynicism, just irritability, and crankiness. Can you imagine if Simeon had succumbed to those things? Cynicism? He wouldn't have showed up. Anna? She wouldn't have been in the temple. She was experiencing hope, though, and he was experiencing hope. It propelled them. It got them out of bed in the morning. It kept them going. It kept them continuing to pray and worship and seek the Lord, and minister there in the temple. It kept them going for years and years. Anna, she's, she's a, married only seven years, so she's probably like 20-ish when her husband dies. And she's a widow for the next, whatever, 60 years or so. And she's in the temple day and night, fasting and praying and worshiping. She's looking forward to the fulfillment of the promises of God. So, so hope has kept her going day after day after day and has kept her youthful the whole time. Hope is so important in remaining motivated and youthful and Christ-like. I hope you see that connection. Hope gives us strength for life to keep on going. It's a powerful motivation. Hope is a powerful motivation meant to function in our lives. Meant to keep us looking for those promises to be filled. Keeping us praying for them to be fulfilled. There's a story told of, of a school system in a large city that had a program to help children keep up with their schoolwork when they went to the hospital. Uh, one day a teacher was assigned to the program. She received a, uh, a call asking her to visit a particular child. She took the child's name and the room number at the hospital. She talked briefly with the, the regular teacher. And the teacher said, well, we're studying nouns and adverbs in class right now, and I'd, I'd be grateful if you could help him understand uh, them so he doesn't fall too far behind. So the, the special teacher went to see the boy, and no one had mentioned to her that the boy had been badly burned and was in great pain. And so when she first saw him, she was ups uh, upset at the sight of the boy, and she stammered. And she said, I've been sent to, by your school to help you with nouns and adverbs. When she left, she felt like she hadn't accomplished anything. But the next day, a nurse asked her, what did you do yesterday? What did you do to the boy yesterday? And the teacher thought, I must have done something wrong and I'm in trouble now. And said, no, no, the nurse said, you don't know what I mean. We've been worried about that little boy. But ever since yesterday, his whole demeanor has changed. He's fighting back. He's responding to treatment. It's as though he has decided to live. Two weeks later, the boy explained that he had completely given up hope until the teacher arrived. 
Everything changed when he came to the simple realization. He said it this way, they wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs for a boy that was going to die, would they? That simple act of the teacher created hope in this boy which led to him living and recovery. That's how hope functions in our lives. It's powerful. It gives us strength for life. Next, it gives us peace in death. When the time comes, hope gives us peace in death. Simeon held in his arms the object of his hope, Jesus. God had only begun to fulfill his promises. All he had in his arms was a baby. Jesus hadn't yet lived his life, hadn't fulfilled the promises, hadn't been crucified and resurrected yet. It was just a baby, but that was enough for him because he was focused on the promises and living in hope. And even as he held that baby, he was able to say, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples. He was ready to go. He was at peace. Even though he wouldn't be a part of the fulfillment in Christ's life, he had seen enough. He was able to be at peace with his life ending, having seen the object of his hope. This is what hope does in our lives. It gives us power to face death in peace. That crucial moment in our lives. I've seen this at work time and time again. I know a family member who, at the end of his life, his last words were, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. He knew hope in Christ. He experienced that hope and he was able to die peacefully. Contrast that with others. And some other famous last words, Arthur William Soroyan said this, everybody's got to die, but I've always believed an exception would be made in my case. What do I do now? Stephen Hawking, I regard the brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There is no heaven or afterlife for broken down computers. That is a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. Versus, thank you Jesus. Now you can dismiss your servant in peace. Hope gives us the ability to die in peace. And finally, hope helps us as we wait for fulfillment. Hope helps us as we wait for the fullness of what we're expecting. It helps us live in that place, content with things being incomplete. Not because they, it doesn't matter, but because we know they will be completed. We can be content living in that tension because we know the promises will be accomplished and we are fully expecting them to be accomplished. So there's an ability to be content when things aren't as good as they ought to be. We look forward to fulfillment. By the way, gratitude is another important way in this when you are facing discontentment. Look back at what he's already done. But also look forward and, and to trust in Him fulfilling these things. It is, look, it is faith looking forward. That's what hope essentially is. Hebrews 11 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And without faith it's impossible to please Him. Forever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Faith is 
is believing. Hope is anticipating those things, being fulfilled in the future. And faith is essential. We believe in God, we trust in Him, and we know that He exists, and that He rewards those who seek Him. He will bring answers to our prayers. He will fulfill His promises. He is faithful. And it allows us to be content living in a place where things are not fulfilled yet. They are not complete yet. This is the reality. We live in this. We live in this tension. We live with already and not yet. And hope says, I know there will be a final fulfillment here. The kingdom has come, and yes, God has many things He would do in our lives and through our lives, but it's never going to be the fullness until He returns. Even if we were to see all the promises for the gospel age fulfilled in our lifetime, and, and that would be wonderful, all peoples coming to know Him, the church mature and, and shining with, with maturity and, and righteousness before the world, the, a powerful, significant gospel presence in, among every people group, perhaps every village in the world, that would be wonderful to see those promises fulfilled. Even with those fulfilled, though, we're still going to be in broken bodies. We're still going to have sinful natures. We're still going to have broken humanity around us. The devil will still have some sway in the world. It will not be completed. Even the very best things that will happen in this age will still be alongside of difficulty. Hope looks forward to it being complete and final upon Christ's return. When he renews all things, he vanquishes all evil. He sets up his eternal kingdom. Hope allows us to get through anticipating that. God is faithful. He will fulfill his promises. This is how Simeon and Anna lived their long lives. This is how we're called to live as well. People of hope. People who are thriving on the promises, fueled by the Holy Spirit, receiving strength for life, experiencing peace and death, looking forward to the final fulfillment of all things. As we consider these things today, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. For hope, and our hope is not like the world's hope, which often is just wishful thinking. Our hope is grounded on the sure promises of God, which you have done in the past and what you will do. And I pray, Lord God, you'd fill us with hope by your Holy Spirit, that we might be a people of hope, and as a result of hope, we would experience all the good fruit that comes from it. That we would be a holy people, a loving people, a people of peace, a people of joy, even in hardship. A people who can offer the world what it needs. Hope in something that is real. So fill us with hope this morning, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.